The best advice I could give myself as a dad is to meet my kids where they are. Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartman and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggled to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover heart-to-heart topics between two dads and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world. My next dad is Robert Glazer. He's married to Rachel and they have three children, a daughter and two sons, 16, 14 and 11. Rob's a very successful entrepreneur, he's a keynote speaker and author and he's a culture leader in the workplace. He's the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, a global performance marketing agency and he's the author of five books. His latest book, Friday Forward, is a whole year of uplifting leadership lessons from world-class performers and leaders such as Tim Ferriss or Adam Grant. I'll put it in the show notes. During our discussions, he shares his powerful insights he has gained as a father, how to foster independence in children, the impact that COVID has had on the family, how Rob encourages the kids to learn the basics of business and principles around accountability, values and goals in a business and family context. I really like the session. The most powerful takeaways for me as a dad were, the value of family meetings is often underestimated. Secondly, giving yourself the permission not to do things that you're not good at and to focus on the things that you are good at is immensely powerful. Lastly, do things that push yourself and your children out of their own comfort zone can teach them that anything you desire can be realized as long as you do the work that is required. All right. To book my keynote on empowering dads and building successful families, please reach out via dedicated.com. I'll put the link in the show notes or simply use uh, LinkedIn. Right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this one, please share it. Without any further ado, here is Rob Glazer. Enjoy. Robert, thank you very much for being on. I'm super stoked to have you. I saw you, as you know, on uh, a session, um, I think it was Acceleration Partners and obviously yourself around uh, leadership, uh, particularly in building a good culture or great culture uh, for virtual teams, which is quite relevant at the moment and very interesting for me. And you said something about families that I found really powerful. And But could you just give a quick intro about yourself and then uh, for business and then we go straight into Uh, Robert the dad. Sure. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of a company called Acceleration Partners. Uh, We are a global marketing agency that focuses on a specialty called affiliate marketing or partner marketing. Uh, We have about 170 people across uh, six countries. Um, I'm a a serial entrepreneur. I've started a few uh, companies over the years, but, but have been doing and growing this one for uh, about 13 years now. I've also started kind of writing on the side. I, there was a, a note that I started five years ago to my team on Fridays that started to get shared with lots of other leaders called Friday Forward. And, and now that reaches about 200,000 people uh, each week and is the same title as a book that I'll be releasing on September 1st. Very nice. I read that uh, newsletter. Sometimes it's too long for me, but <laughs> the ones that <laughs> it's always I always the same length. Are... So you must be just in a different headspace each well, week. <laughs> it depends on the, how much space I have, right? right so right, the, yeah. the line moves. I always find, um, yeah, I find it interesting. Each week I get about five or six people. This is the best one ever. It has nothing to do with the, what I wrote. It has to do with where they are yeah. that week or whatever. So Yeah, very much yeah. on the mind space. I mean, on that, we can, the, interesting, I'm doing a course, uh, parental effectiveness training course. Oh. Um, and it speaks I, about... I hope it's not graded where, or I wouldn't take that. Yeah. No, <laughs> but where your line of acceptance is. But let me j- just please um, continue or finish off the... You intro about yourself as a dad, because ultimately we're speaking about you as yeah. a dad. Uh, right. I'm easily distracted. I also have ADD. You'll learn that throughout the interview. Same. So, uh, <laughs> as most of people in EO. But uh, so, yeah, I have uh, my wife, Rachel, and, and three children. 
uh, who are now 16, 14, and 11. Okay, cool. And um, okay, so there's a million points where we can obviously go from here, entrepreneurship and children, Corona, uh, ADD, fishing, holidays. <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> squirrel, yeah. Squirrels. <laughs> do you, do you want to share something what's, what's currently going on and, and what occupies your mind and heart as a dad? Yeah, look, it's been uh, a great couple months and and a difficult couple months sort of with, with this, with everyone being in one place. Um, you know, one of the things that's really important in our family uh, tradition is overnight summer camp uh, in New England. That's mm -hmm. very culturally uh, aligned to this part of the country. And um, my kids are usually gone for seven weeks and it's like their favorite time of the year. And You know, they, they, they don't, they don't have that this year. We're usually traveling somewhere on July 4th. So it was, it was funny this weekend. They're like, we don't want to be here. And we're like, we weren't planning on be here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been, you know, I, I think what, what it has shown more than anything. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges, uh, for parents is that I, I think similar to leaders is, is you need to, you need to parent each child differently as to their sort of needs, as you need to manage people differently. I think if you just have your one style and your one program, it doesn't work. And unfortunately, you know, we've lost a lot of our tools in that war. Um, because when you're, when you're locked down, uh, and there's a very limited set of things you can do, you know, it's hard to help them each you know, have that time and the activities and the things that we know that they like to do. And, and, you know, it's, we, we kind of have to be together. It's just, it's, it's, it's changed a lot of, uh, dynamics and, and, and given us far fewer tools to try to figure out, you know, how to, how to plan a schedule and a time that, that, that relates to each of them. I mean, they're very different on the introvert extrovert scale. They're different how they want to spend their time. They're different ages. Uh, we've had to change a lot of longstanding kind of we don't try not to have a lot of rules but but uh, those so it, it i i look we've had like 90 dinners together and we've had some amazing time but but you know they're not they're not getting their space outside the family and i i, I think that's important too like i one of my core values is self-reliance and i'm i'm most happy when my kids are actually out there at camp and out there doing stuff and growing and learning and and i think it's kind of been this downside of all having to stay as a family unit that they have not gotten to spread their wings that much in the last, in the last couple of months. Yeah. And you're locked in with almost three, almost teenagers. So <laughs> two and a half teenagers. Yeah. The older <laughs> two were pretty easy. The third one is he's, he's, he's been, he's been a lot of the difficulty. He, so, so my wife, I, I, I'm actually naturally introverted. Uh, I think my wife's kind of ambivert. The older, my, 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 my daughter's the same as my wife and my middle son's more introverted and my little guy is a raging extrovert. And and I think in general, this has been the hardest on people who are very extroverted or get their energy from being around uh, other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I've, I've seen that across the board. So, so I think it's disproportionately difficult for him. He's a kid who, when he's done with a play date, he wants another play date. And when am I going to play? And, And just, you know, it, people aren't available and running. Everything has to be put together as a careful one-on-one. -on -one. It's just you can't go run and join and go over to someone's house. It's it's really, like, changed the whole nature of of kind of free play. Uh, and, and that's been tough with him. Have you, have you made quarantine circles? So I know some people have, like, decided at the beginning of lockdown, okay, we'll be one social circle, and then there's two households that, that do interact. Have you done that or not? Uh, no, we haven't because we both have family here and, uh, okay. and, and also there's just some social aspects to that. I don't think we have like the, the, the perfect, it, it would actually seem exclusionary in the circle that we're in to do that with one or two people, um, yeah. a bunch of them. And then also that means we're not doing it with our family or, you know, my daughter has a boyfriend. There's different bubbles that can be pierced. Is she seeing the boyfriend? <laughs> That's a whole dynamic. Hey? How's uh, that going? <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. She did not see him for almost two months. And, wow. And, and, and it was winter and they were FaceTiming. And I was like, well, why don't you go walk with him in the park or do something? And she, she actually thought it would be just too hard to, to see him. And, you know, this, this was like a whole generational thing. I'm like, I don't understand why you'd want to be on FaceTime when you guys could go ride a bike together or walk together. And so then she did 
uh, start seeing him. But but you know, and they hang out and they sit in the backyard. I mean, I think it's. <laughs> tough for them that's so random <laughs> i mean they they like forced into a long distance relationship but yeah. being near distance amazing like being two miles I, from each other yeah mind-blowing i um i want to go somewhere else and that is the i had i i mean i perceived your your culture building workshop as extremely valuable for myself for yeah. the company and you already started now in, in the beginning of your of your summary around corona how you apply leadership principles to, to family as well. Or I guess there is something there. Can you share some of the culture building stuff that you've shared in the workshop? And is it applicable to family? And if so, what can you share from experience with other dads and moms? Many moms listen here as well. Um, how we can build good family culture derived from your learnings from business? Because I know that you're very passionate around this. Yeah, so I'm a big believer. I don't know if Gino Wickman's going to write the book, but we're, we're an EOS traction company and we do some of the gazelles. And I, I think it's the same principles, like traction for family. Like what what are your values? What are your goals? Uh, you know, what, where's accountability? Do you have kind of meetings? Do you work on the planning? I, I've seen all those things be incredibly valuable. So, you know, two, just two of the things at a high level, we, we set, we haven't been super successful at, at the family meeting, even though I would like to be, you know, now we've actually had 90 dinners together, which is incredible. But normally someone's coming, someone's going, there's practice. Uh, so, so in, in the fall and the spring, in, in the winter, we're a skiing family and we just ski together and we have all that time in the car. So the family meeting's a piece that, that, that I would have liked to be better at, but we haven't, but to, what's the, what's the family meeting at, at dinner or set up? Yeah, a lot of them meeting? do it again, just sort of that weekly meeting, the cadence, um, and and similar to how how a company would would have it. So we we, we set value. You, you have to explain that not everybody was in the workshop. Go, so oh, got it. Yeah, give so, the context. Yeah, so so similar to a company, you know, you would have you would have values, you would have your mission, then you would have kind of your. Uh, you know, I know there are couples that do quarterly offsites and you do your weekly kind of check-in meeting, very similar best practices to a company and an organization. So we, we set two of the things that, that, that we do that I really like as traditions is we did set values years ago. Um, and we talk about them a lot and, and that's, um, uh, be happy, be happy and healthy, be respectful, responsible, resilient, and be kind. And I, I, in the same way as the organization, we have a very values-driven organization. And I, and I believe that values take the place of a lot of rules. So particularly with everyone on top of each other the last couple of months, you can find a lot of reasons to yell all the time. But, but generally, I, say I, I try to really like get upset when the core value lines are crossed. Rather than having a lot of rules to really say to the kids, like, you know, my son, it's been, we've been kind of like having, ex, everyone I know is having Xbox wars because... Um, you know, that is the, that is the socialization right now for, for a lot of these kids in these group games is to be online and talk to their, uh, friends. And, and, you know, we've talked about that under the context of being healthy or getting outside as being healthy. So, so it's less of a rule, um, than a value. And, and we've also then really tried to teach the kids, uh, goal setting and something that I took from, uh, another EO member, uh, uh, Fletcher McKenzie, uh, out of New Zealand uh, years ago, was we do, for the last five years on January 1st, we've kind of built vision boards as a family for the year. We kind of take our goals, uh, we cut up a whole bunch of magazines, turn them into pictures, and we all put them up in our room and then sort of revisit them at the end of each year. And Everybody makes it. I've done that before with my wife. Everyone. You do your own one? Or Everyone makes you their own. One everyone, my wife and I made our one together the first year, and it didn't work. We were like divide and conquer, and so then we did our, we did our own. <laughs> um, her, her, hers was very different than mine, uh, and and uh, yeah. So I even take my business goals and put them on there, and try to make any goal that we have a visual representation of it, so the kids yeah. can see it and they learn what it's like to to go for it, and they have it in the room. And we've had some strange stuff happened. I have a whole story about going to the Super Bowl with my son and all the stuff he had had on his vision board. And um, But I, I really trying to teach them goal setting at a, at a young age. It's very powerful to put make visual. We've done exactly the same. Literally like take magazines, surf yeah. magazines, house magazines, whatever, holidays, and you know, and stick it on a, on a collage. And the, the funny thing is the stuff that I've put on my vision board has actually happened. Yeah, It's actually materialized. I don't know 
Yeah, I mean, I believe I, in it. But I, I, a lot, like, I, a lot of it's materialized. And what's interesting is I keep a line of them in my closet, the old ones. I'll go back sometimes, and maybe it's not that year, but I age it a year or two. Yeah, and there's numbers and stuff. And um, my son actually, it was a whole story years ago. He had this whole thing on. I told this story at his bar mitzvah, but he had this whole um, thing about going to the Super Bowl and. The Pats made the Super Bowl that year, and I left with my father-in-law. We couldn't get him a ticket, and then we were in the airport, and we found a flight and a ticket. He ended up, he was 10, and he flew by himself to meet us, and he had, you know, he just cut out something on Unrelated with the words L-I on some other part of his board, and when we got back, we realized that, uh, A, he had had all the stuff from the Super Bowl up there that was like, happened it was really weird and then he and i had these li tattoos that we got on the super bowl and i went in his room and i saw it and i I, i'm actually getting chill right now and i just like he had this li thing that he cut out of a miller light ad because he what he was trying to say you know the kids like this phrase lit he was trying to cut that phrase out but he overcut the t and he had this li and we came back and there's this you know we both had these picture of these tattoos from the super bowl we ended up getting on the news and the whole thing was just crazy amazing yeah, that's crazy stuff. So I tell them put it put it, put it out into the world, and uh, you know might happen. Now this year, all their boards, they're like, "What the hell? We had all this travel and places we were going to go, <laughs> and all this stuff." I was like, "Just wait, you know, maybe we look at it next year." So our our, yeah. our our boards this year are way off. I mean, we'll get a serious bounce after yeah when people start moving again. You know, that's yeah. that's going to happen for sure in any case. Um, because people do want to get out and not yeah. everybody wants to have FaceTime relationship. And, and, and let, me, uh, let me share a story that's not mine, but 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 since my daughter's about to get her license, I'm going to use this because I think it's a great example on on values and not rules. So there was a there was not there was a guy being interviewed on a podcast who's an entrepreneur who has sim- similar like very values oriented family and and his daughter, you know, got her license and was asking about a curfew. And and so, right, there's two ways to handle this, right? You could say, well, it's 11 o'clock and your penalty is X for, you know, not being a back by 11 o'clock. And that's fine. I mean, that falls under, we have a lot of that stuff. Here's the, here's the, here's the rule and here's the consequence. And, you know, it's up to you, like no yelling or screaming. But instead he said to her, hey, hey well, you know, you, you know, you and your, your mom and I are just going to worry a lot, you know, that you're not home. We're probably not going to go to sleep till you get home. So, you know, why don't you pick a time that you think is 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 reasonable? And, you know, he was thinking 11 and she said 1030 and was home by 1015. So it was a great case where he just actually, you know, explained why that was important to her, sort of the value of that they care about her and instead of the rule and, and, and he got a better outcome. And I think there are a lot of those. I mean, you, you were actually, you know, we we're talking about before, we we're joking, like my daughter and her, her boyfriend, she'll kill me if she hears this. But, you know, She's like, well, can I can I go in his house or can I'm like, look, Chloe, you've got to decide, you know, how to handle this. Understanding that, you know, if if you do that and he has it, you're potentially bringing it into our family. Like, I'm I'm not going to tell you the rule. Like, you need to use your judgment and 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 know that. And I actually think that had a bigger impact on her than saying no, you can't do it. Yeah, of course, I did the same with the. But I wanted to respond on the other thing. Do you? Does the, did your buddy's son? I take it. Uh, did he communicate the time ten fifteen, or did he? She she so she picked the uh, his daughter. So she maybe this wouldn't work on a son, but but she picked the time. Uh, so but did she communicate it, or did she just? Yeah yeah. yeah. She said did, he said. So what time do you think you're going to be home? Okay. And, okay, she, and so not only did she pick a time that was earlier than he would have given her, but then she was yeah. earlier on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so overreached on two accounts, a negotiation technique and better outcome. <laughs> In right. other words, never say never say the first number. Yeah. Well, it goes, it's similar, like we talk about this a lot in our company, what's the why, right? I mean, in, in trying to, I mean, there, there, there are sometimes when my 11-year-old just doesn't want to hear the rules, but it, it, instead of saying because we said so, you know, we say, look, because we've read the articles and it, you know, all the experts say that playing more than this on technology day is not healthy. And, and we, you know, we're trying to explain the why because no one ever likes it because it's my rule or the, that, look, we have to have rules, but the rules sort of sit under our core values. One of my favorite moments as a parent was when um, one of my, my middle sons had his teacher parent conference and we went in there and she gives us the write-up and she had used four out of our five family core values, like words in the write-up describing my son. And I was like, yes, 
<laughs> did something did something right there. How do you guys, as a, as parents, because that's so interesting. I mean, you decide these core values or values, and it it makes sense to lead by values and virtues, of course. Yeah. Um, because the rules aren't random, and it's much more important to empower a child. Um in order to help them make good decisions on a decent foundation yeah. rather than just, you know, follow the rules because I say so. But how do you and your wife um, do conflict? So if there's a dis, um, if there's a disagreement in, let's say, I don't know, your daughter wants to go to a sort of nightclub because she's a bit young. Yeah. First party and, you know, probably kids will be drinking or whatever. And you say she can go. He, she says she can't go. Okay, maybe without drinking. Anyways, how do you, how do you guys come to a conclusion? Do you do it in front of the kids, and do, do they know there can be different opinions, and you come to a, to a conclusion together? Maybe even including the the daughter. Do you do it alone? Do you do it not at all? Do well, you the kid, take, the kid, do you say, okay, if, this is your domain? How do you do that? If the kid is smart, then they'll shop for the opinion that they're looking for. Yeah, you yeah. know, without telling us <laughs> at the same time. Um, but I, I, but you know, I mean, you I, know I think that. it's a little bit of all. My my wife and I are generally on on the same page. We we were parented very differently, uh, almost opposite ends of the spectrum. And I would say we really try to to to, to meet in the middle. So occasionally the discussion will unravel in front of them, but we're generally on the same page about about those um, uh, bigger things, and we'll you know try to have that discussion uh, outside of there. If one of us knows that the other, look, I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. This happens, but if one of us knows that the other already weighed in, um, we really try not to contradict or or overrule that mm. other person. But we're all human. It ha it happens. They hear it. You know, you might repeat. Wait, wait. Mom said you could go. Like, you know, <laughs> and then and then mom hears that. Like, I I think these things all happen. But but we really try to. Uh, have a unified front and not undermine each other. And 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 look, we have very similar value sets. So I think when we're going back to these same decisions, um, we understand our kids. We're very self-aware about each of them. There are some things that I would say yes to one that I would say no to the other because they're they're very different. And I and I know that. Um, and and I I think that helps us to sort of apply those values. You know, eighty percent of the time we would give the same answer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, both is both end. So, I mean, I've had uh, another guest, very interesting. I mean, obviously, a lot of people say you have to stay um, stand in a united yeah. front as as parents. Funny, I told you I'm, I'm doing the PET course at the moment. The first thing she said today was, it's a myth that parents have to always have a united front. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm going to hear what she says. It's going to be an eight-weeks course. Yeah. Um, another dad I had um, on the show, Arthur Gillis. Do you know Arthur Gillis? You found uh, one of the. It sounds familiar, but no. Yeah, it's mega in, uh, interesting entrepreneur. He founded um, Protea Hotel Group, built it from one hotel to I don't know. At the end, he had sixteen thousand employees, and he sold it to a big hotel group. Um, and what he did, very interesting setup. He second wife brought children into the marriage as well, and he had some already, so they ended up with five kids. And from day one. Um, back on culture because they knew that there were two very different family cultures being blended. Now he calls it blended family yeah. setup. And they actually hired a, a counselor or a family, mm. I don't know, psychiatrist or family counselor. And whenever they couldn't agree on, on a certain topic, um, and he actually used the example of the, of the nightclub, they would call this counselor. They had them on call. <laughs> And he would come in and he relates everything back to business. So he said, you know, it's it's like a company. There's a board of advisors. And then I call the advisor and and he or she has an opinion and, and she helps us resolve it in a better, more constructive way. And I found it so powerful. What he said was, his wife said, you can go to the, to the nightclub or the party. And he said, absolutely not. There's no way. Yeah. And so they fought it out um, together with the counselor. And what it did was, um, so the, the outcome was anyways, Arthur would pick up his daughter no matter what time, okay, even if it's five o'clock in the morning, but he, that, fine, the only condition she can go, the only condition is he will pick her up personally, yeah. 
Okay, so for him that was enough peace of mind that she he, he wanted to inspect. Obliterate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she's like she knows he's going to pick her up at, yeah. at five. She won't be totally drunk and then sneak into bed or whatever. The I don't know what the concern was, but that that was the outcome. Yeah. And what I found so powerful about this, and it's it's a lot about culture, um, and family and culture, and 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 he relates it back into business again. Um, he said, well, you know, the kids, what the kids learn from that is that we can have different opinions. But conflict can be very uh, constructive. So the daughter learned that he was against yeah. the decision. Um, and then they had a decent constructive conversation. And then he said, okay, fine. Under these conditions, I can go with this. Well, look, and you, I, I find that's a very powerful lesson. Yeah, a unified front in some ways just models groupthink and, and conformity rather than saying you have opinions. Yeah. But if you think about a management team... It should be healthy disagreement all the time. You don't want everyone to agree. Mm. You're going to miss, you know, uh, a weakness. And and I think my wife and I come at it from the opposite spectrums. There are times when, um, uh, there are times when you know I think her her lens is more important because I will miss the the you know empathy side. And and sometimes you know on, on the other side, the kids need to be pushed to do something a little bit. And there's a little less empathy needed, but. That that check and balance is is helpful, and I, I think yeah, you want to see the kids. You have your own opinions. Here's how you here's how you come to uh, an, an agreement. And I, I think the main thing similar to an organization is, you know, you can disagree, but but not disrespect each other, right? You don't. I think if they see disagreement and discussion, you're modeling one thing. If they see kind of disrespecting and overruling, then you're modeling something very very different. Mm. Yeah. Another thing um, that goes in line with this is to criticize the the behavior, behavior but yeah. not the person. I, yeah. I, I, I'm very big on that. I've noticed that the younger kid d- doesn't discern that as much because I'm very careful on that. Like you know that mm. that that uh, you know we've had some issues of of, of veracity uh, sometimes with his stories, and and you know to say look when when you when when you do that or you represent that that's what I said. I'm not going to believe you or that, you know, that's not the truth. Not that you are a liar, but we've had to point out a lot with him lately that like, that's not what I said. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're not going to get a lot of credibility when you, you know, t- tell mommy that that's what I said, because that is not what I said. That is, that is your interpretation of what you wanted me to say. Is he just being very creative or is, why is that? Uh, he, he, he is a, he, it's a power struggle. Uh, he is, okay. he, you know, he's going to run some company. I always say there are a lot of kids, I have a niece like this too, where he's going to be wildly successful doing something someday, but we just may not survive uh, the next five years because he wants to do it on his time when he wants to do it. Uh, and 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 there's very much just a, a power struggle with, with him that I don't have, we don't and have. How do, you, how do you deal with that? I mean, for you, you're an entrepreneur and you're like, you know, obviously driven, you build a decent company. Not well. I don't even know how you do it. <laughs> but like, it's tough. Like, you'll have to stand back sometimes when the, you, you can't exert your full um, yeah. energy towards that situation, so to speak. So, how do you do that? I mean, this is where... So you don't collide. This is it's very, by being in a bubble, right? This is... This is where the power thing is has been uh, a struggle the last couple of months. Like he's actually someone who really needs structure and needs school and responds mm. very well to structure outside of it being delivered by my wife and I. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm very much try to focus on giving him control and and understanding you know the the, the cause and effect uh, of things and. Great, you can have that hour, but if you go over that hour, here's what's going to happen. Now, goes over that hour, happens, and then the whole thing's unfair. But I, there, there was something I heard years ago, and God, I hope this is true, or else I need a totally different approach. But it, it, it said, you know, sometimes it can take ten years to know if your kids were were listening to you, um, you know, or what you did had an impact. Where like these principles that we keep trying to repeat again respectfulness, responsibility, accountability, like that's really important. It's like, hey, you can have this freedom, but but like there's there's behaviors and consequences. So here's what's going to happen when, you know, you, you know, violate this. And, and, and it's hard to get someone like that to understand that those are his choices that he's making that's causing it. It's not what we're doing. 
but we're repeating this over and over because I th- I just think that that's a really critical life lesson. Like I, you do not want to be going around as an adult, you know, saying that the world's doing everything to you. And, and, and that to me just, it crosses on a core value. So I, I'm just, I'm willing to sort of lie down on that line. And I think we, we get a little more bloodied and beat up around that line because that is a core value thing that I think is essential that I want my kids to, to have. I do not want them to go out in the world, you know, with a lack of control, believing that, you know, things are happening to them versus that their actions matter. Mm. At the same time, failing repeatedly builds more resilience. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I might be, be getting more. Res- I might be getting more resilient. <laughs> but look, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm. I'll tell you, I am. No, I mean I, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am openly split on this because I, I also believe you know the how's that working for you? If you do the same thing a hundred times and it doesn't work, then uh, clearly you need a new approach. But but if you believe that that's a key sort of you know, moralistic line in the sand that you don't want to move, then those forces are sort of, uh, you know, prevailing, counter-prevailing winds. And and I struggle with that. I mean, we, do, we, do we just throw out the whole approach and try a different playbook? We talked about this earlier, but I, I you know, I, I think there's some parents who just have the same playbook, right? Or just mm-hmm. kids are going to do X, Y, and Z. They're going to do these sports. They're going to do these programs. They're going to do this, like irrespective of what they're, interested in and you're, they're going to go to this school um and I, you know i think it w- one thing that's been interesting for us is like the playbook that worked for our first two kids it, it's almost like we need to throw it out and have a totally different playbook for for the third kid and and then i'm always really impressed when you see uh, a parents who because some you know maybe went to some private school and they're like our kids are just going to go to this private school and i see others who, who say well you know, your oldest was at this school, the middle is at private school, and the youngest public school. Why'd you make that choice? And they say, that was really the choice for the middle child. Like, they they wanted to do it. It was their learning. Like, it, just the friend group was different. Like, able to really, like, apply, like, again, what they need rather than just sort of this uniform system. And, uh, you know, I, I probably thought I was a better parent for the first two kids because it's easier. But, but whatever we need a new, we we've, we've had to fundamentally have a different playbook. And I, I think that's similar to leadership, like, or, or managing a team, like one person needs something that's different and you're going to have to figure out how to adjust your approach to, to, to get the best out of them. Are you able to truly individualize or give these kids truly individualized attention as a dad? Because I struggle sometimes with that, especially with, because my kids are all at the same age, pretty much. You yeah, know, you're in a different boat. Three and a half and <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, they're not so far apart, the first two at least, you know. I mean, you you, you want to teach your kids outside of your own bias, I guess that's that's what you're saying, and, and make decisions that are for them and not unified blanket. But do, are you able to parent individualized? I try. I that think manner? that's one of the most important things to me. I... I, I mm-hmm. The... the, the my overall mantra as a as a parent, so there's some principles. My kids is you can be anything that you desire as long as you're willing to do what's required. So I actually think that a lot of parents um, are, are too far of one of these spectrums. They are, you know, you, you can be anything and do anything with no accountability or understanding of the hard work, um, right? So so oh yeah, you want to be you can do that, like but 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 not the reality of the world. And that, this is where you have all these kids who've been helicopter parents who are all depressed and seeing psychologists at 25 because their parents told them they could be everything, they can do everything, and it was easy. Uh, and then you have the other side where people say, oh, you can't, no, you can't do that. You can never make the NBA. You can never do this. You can never do otherwise. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not good. And, and, do you do you, do you you have them check in on accountability? Yeah, or, or more, you know, if you want to be a professional basketball player, th- yeah. this is what it needs to look like at seven or eight, or these are the hours that you do. I mean, this is actually what would be involved. So I, I, I like to present the, re- like, no, I'm not telling them they can't do it, but but I think it's important that they are not on the track to do that if they really believe that, that, that's, what they, that that's what they want yeah, to do. Yeah, but do you hold them accountable? I, I, so if I want to be a professional basketball player, no, I'm not. Player, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually. It would be a mistake for me to hold it accountable because it's not my. It's not my 
dream or wish. And I think that that is takes away intrinsic motivation. I'm just yeah. I'm just constantly trying to point out like my my daughter really wants her license next week and she knows to do parallel parking, but she hasn't been doing it. And so I'll point out, you know, Chloe, you told me you really want your license, but you really haven't asked me to go do the parking with you. I'm just I'm pointing that out. Like I I I feel like it's my job to point out the cause and effect, not to BMW can park itself. Yeah, not to be the <laughs> not to be the motivation um, for them. Yeah. But but back to the other comment you said, uh, and here's where I found that I'm the best parent. So at the intersection of what I do well, my core values, and what's important to them, and trying to meet each of them there. Like I, I have ADD, I can't pay attention. Like I. Back to school night, like not my thing. They're not there, but like I've let my wife go to it. I actually given myself permission. I couldn't sit through a class when I was in school. I can't sit through a recorded video of what the kids are going to learn for the year. And I, I've just been like, that's okay. You know what? I'll go take them hiking or we'll do this. Or when we want to go do the training for the thing, I'll go run with them. Like I, I do much better about the things that I'm passionate about, trying to figure out what they're interested in and and, and where we can intersect. I, I think I've had to give myself permission as a father to realize like there's some things like I'm just not good at. I've never liked in my life. It's going to be hard for me to, I'm very authentic to sort of fake it with them. So so show up and do a really good job for the things that I do well and and sort of take the guilt away from some of the stuff that that I don't, which is is a lot of the, same weaknesses I have across all aspects of my life. Mm, that's a gold nugget you just said. Giving yourself permission to not having to do the things that you're not good at, even though it might just be in your mind. Yeah. Not failing at those, but therefore doubling down on your strength. Yeah. Which I, is I, 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 what you should do. I, right. So you, if they want to practice for something and they want to get better, I love practicing it better. I'll sit there and I'll develop mm. the system with them or whatever. If like watching a four hour rehearsal, like I can't mm. sit through it. They, <laughs> I just can't. I've never been able to do that as much as I want to. I, they, they will not have my, you know, full attention, you know, for something like that. So I, I, I've tried to be honest. They know that my middle son's pretty funny. He's sometimes like, he starts talking. He's like, I know you're not paying attention. I'm like, yeah, you gotta, I, I don't switch very, he just knows I don't switch very well. And so I'll say, yeah, mm -hmm. like wait, wait until I'm done with this and then let me switch And let me give you my attention because I started answering you, but you're right. I haven't left the thing that I'm already doing. Mm -hmm. He calls me out on it a lot. I, I, I'm actually a lot more aware of it because I now see his awareness of it and I don't want him to think I'm not listening to him. Yeah, that's powerful. Hey, Robert, do you want to share some stuff where I haven't gone yet? Because I don't know, maybe there's some amazing learnings or experiences that you've had that led to insights or something that you want to share uh, as a dad? Yeah, you know, I, I to, to one of those examples before, like I love travel. I love going to new places. Um, I, I think it's a powerful experience and metaphor for getting kids out of their comfort zone, pointing out the cultural differences, the things that, you know, we accept as norms, the things that are different. We talk about that a lot. Um, I'm also, I'm big on doing stuff with my kids that pushes them out of their comfort zone. And, and I, I, as long as they are safe, uh, you know, I, I don't mind them being uncomfortable. And I think that's different from a lot of parents these days, uh, and, and, and sort of the methodology of the last 10 years. So I, we've gotten a lot of that through travel and adventure and doing things like rope courses. Um, there's a story years ago, my son and I were doing this ropes course and, um, I don't know if you have these yet, but they're these new systems. They're pretty awesome. It's like there's two tracks and uh, it, it there's two clips and you can't like they the way the lock works is one has to be locked if it's unlocked. So you can basically go through any of these courses. It's kind of like skiing. They have green, blue and black and you can go through them. And uh, you can do the whole thing yourself because you, you can't get hurt. Like you, you put one on the thing and you go over and when you get to the other side, You put one on the tree and that unclips the one off the rope. So uh, we were we did a green and then we were doing a blue and you were zip lining. And I, I think we were like two thirds of the way through the course. And it was this very uphill tightrope walk. And, and he got about two thirds of the way done. And I actually got to the platform and I and I, I, I took a picture of him 
on this one. And I actually like sort of captured the moment that he kind of broke. You could see it. And he, and I, I didn't mean to. I just I took the picture and he was just exhausted. And he was like, I, I can't I can't get up. I can't do it. Like I, I'm I'm scared. And he and he's fully like clipped in. So it's all it's all mental. He actually can't, you know, get hurt. And he 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 starts bursting into tears and and he'd been great. And I was on the flip side and everyone's kind of looking at me like, go get your kid. <laughs> and then he, you know, and help yeah, him. Yeah, no, don't yeah, get him. And help yeah. him. And I was like, but yeah. you got this. And he was like, I don't. And, and uh, you know, I just, I talked to him for, for a minute or two. I was like, let's calm down. I was like, you're going to get this. And, 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 he, and, he, and he got himself holding. and he got to the top. And look, he was tired and exhausted. And, but the next time we were at that course, he like, flew through and took all the other kids on it. And his confidence was, was through the roof. And I tell that story when I tell the story about the Super Bowl, because part of the only way he get to the Super Bowl was, and he was kind of a shy kid at that age, was to fly four and a half hours by himself at the first, for the first time when he was 11 years old. And this was three months after that incident. And I'm pretty convinced that, you know, that was a turning point for him. I had never seen him scared or nervous again, you know, after that moment. And if you had taken a poll at the tree place of like, <laughs> should this guy get his kid or not get his kid at the time? I'm sure every parent would have been like, go get your kid. But I, that's the stuff I think that, <laughs> yeah. that, that we're, we're, we're not causing some short-term discomfort for long-term gain. Yeah, that's a powerful one. So you said if they, if they, you don't mind them being the uncomfortable um, for the long-term game, as long as they're safe, that's that's it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, you shouldn't have got them because <laughs> everybody has an opinion, but you know it's their opinion. Yeah. People can do that, and I mean, it taught him the lesson that he can actually manage and that he can actually pull through with it, and it becomes a metaphor for for future decisions or developing some grit. And by the way, it goes into your uh, value of uh, building resilience. Yeah, and I, so, I have a personal quote. Well done personal core value of self-reliance so like i mm -hmm. a lot of people are uh, happy when their kids need them like i am generally happier helping my kids not need me like i i think our job is to develop from you know people don't move from manager to coach like i'm, I'm excited about the coaching phase to me the manager phase is sort of a necessity based on on age but but and a lot of people don't get out of that phase they build this codependency that they that they need so If you ask any of my kids right now and they say, what's the first answer? They say, I want to go to my friend's house. Can you can you give me a ride? My first answer to all of them right now is, why don't you ride your bike? Because uh, then you can go there and then you can come home when you want. <laughs> and we own one car. And, you know, they're used to it at this point. And and so I I, I think it's, I, I was super independent as a kid. I think that that has, uh, that has, that has helped me. Um, you, you know, we talked earlier about being the kid of a, of an entrepreneur and, uh, were you, were you, your, your oh, dad no, was I'm an entrepreneur? <laughs> no, I didn't get that. No. Okay. So, so, so some, I mean, this is a pretty interesting, you can take this. My, my parents in 30 years each, I think had one job each and my brother, sister and I <laughs> all run our own companies. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's a very, I don't know how you do it. I mean, my dad worked it. Sorry. It's, it's right. Siemens. And, like, but look, there's a weird flip flop. I, I think 30 years. I, I think you'll find that a lot of people I know who had entrepreneurial parents, you know, the last generation and they lived through the ups and downs. They went and got jobs that had tenure or had mm -hmm. partner track or just were security oriented. So it's interesting how mm -hmm. it flips and flops. But someone said to me uh, a week ago in an interview, do you hope your kids are entrepreneurs? And I said, That's an interesting question. I think entrepreneurialism is a little bit of a disease, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't wish it on someone who does not have the qualities. However, I think there's some aspects of being an entrepreneur that I have tried to instill in all of them, which is which is about being solution oriented, being creative, understand. They all understand basic economics. They all can explain to you a lemonade stand of revenue and profit and they've run little businesses how, how did you implement that um revenue and profit and um, i spoke to warren a lot about that yeah. and actually malik yeah I, i talk about it all the time with them they you know and they had uh, from what age uh young uh i my daughter had an awesome case study in sixth grade that they had to do where they had to sort of build out a, a business it was one of my favorite things i've ever seen the schools give as as homework but 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 i think pretty young and and making sure they understand money and the mechanics and we've been talking a lot about economics during during this you know on how economics work um my daughter 
uh, did a whole thing. She raised two thousand uh, dollars recently for some of the race stuff here through uh, sweatshirts and 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 that. so they they all understand the basic mechanics of sort of earning, spending, profit, margin, all those things. And I I actually think whatever business you go into. They're basic business skills that you need. I'm always fascinated that all my friends that are doctors running practices and stuff are never taught business stuff. <laughs> and this is why a lot yeah, of them fall... Like you can't sell your own hour twice. Yeah, well, they, they, a lot of them fall for these boiler room stock scams. They But, but they're running yeah. medical practices and they literally never had a class on business before. Amazing. And do you give your kids an allowance on money? Uh, we, yeah, we did before. It's been a little COVID sort of changed all of that but um yeah we we, yeah, we, we uh just what 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 they can do and not do in the routine and and, and uh. some of that stuff uh you know part of it uh each one actually had we have the sort of basic requirements for being you know there are a lot of different schools of thoughts on this i i think we actually tried to not um buy the allowance to like like fee for services And 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 some of this is worn in sort of an amalgamation. So there's just the allowance because we actually want them to, rather than my son goes out and he's going out with friends and lunch, we want them to learn how to budget. And it's almost more important that they get that. And and look, we're responsible for their food, but to say, look, you have ten dollars a week, and so you want to go out with your friends, like figure out how you want to spend that. So it, in giving them the money and then letting them control how they spend it and understanding it's a finite amount is sort of lesson one. There's some required things that you need to do that we don't want to tie fee for services to like clean up your room, make your bed, eat, put stuff away. Like that's just a responsibility for being part of the, those are chores. You shouldn't pay for those. Right. Th th those are just being part of the family. Contribution for being part of the right. Family. So yeah. the allowance is the allowance. There's the thing you just have to do. And then there's the free market stuff that we'll put out there. I mean, I, uh, part of the pandemic thing, I decided I was going to power wash my deck, which, was about a seven or eight hour project. And I offered my son a hundred dollars for it. And he went out there and he did it for, you know, everything got covered in mud every day and, you know, got that. Like I, you know, if there's projects that uh, I would pay someone else to do, I'll, I'll offer them at first. I'm on, you know, sell something on eBay. I try to, you know, I try to give them something where they can understand that effort can equal reward. Would be cool if he scaled it and he hired his, His buddy for uh, half the money. So, so, so I fought with my daughter, <laughs> my daughter about this. My daughter is actually she's very entrepreneurial. She's very creative, marketing oriented, and you know I tried to convince her. So people are always texting her about babysitting, and she couldn't. I said, you know what a good business is? You have people that can backfill it for you. You yeah. you tell them ten dollars an hour, and you get a dollar an hour. And she she just like felt bad. I'm like that's that's a brokerage. Like that's and then you're not babysitting. You're placing babysitter. So I I had this whole yeah. discussion with her on the economics it's of arbitrage. that. Model. Right, exactly. Ba yeah. yeah. So she 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 she. It's funny. She's she's a very much a do gooder, and she I think she felt guilty in those cases for for wanting to take money from people that she wasn't doing the work. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Especially artists. I mean, you have to at some stage learn that you it's okay to take money. You know, that's unrelated scale, to you. Scale is a really good thing to learn. Yeah. yeah. Do they, can they spend their money however they want? So I mean, obviously. So for instance, to tell you an example, Malik Mohammed, he um, there is an allowance. Yeah. So they get some money. Um, I'm not sure if I want to give my kids uh, pocket money because I think maybe it's that's charity, right? They can work. At, not at five, yeah. but at 10, 12, 14, they can do something, um, whatever it is. And you can pay inflated prices, but they still, you know, they don't need charity in yeah. my eyes. So that obviously, you know, if you go skiing, you pay the skiing, but giving them money, money. So he gives an allowance, for instance, and then um, they have to spend the money. Uh, that's the condition in exchange. So they have to spend the money in a certain way. So it's three-way split. One split is a charity of their uh, choosing. One split is they have to invest it in something, um, whatever, yeah. save it basically, um, and learn about investing and, and the return of, of money. And one split is they can spend it at their free discretion. I think that's really that's a really good thought. Do you have something like that? Or do you just say, okay, well, you know, if your money runs out because you have to go to lunch three times, then then you have no money left. That's your problem. Well, again, each kid's a little different. I, I would love, in theory, to do something like that. We just haven't been as 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 disciplined. Um, 
both the older ones have done a lot around charity because that's more of a value. And my like my daughter decided to do the sweatshirt thing and 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 donate mm-hmm. the money to charity. So I think that's always been they see us doing that as a family. We actually uh, one of the things that we did as a family with our financial advisor and 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 look, they got to understand the money, but but we decided to make certain commitment to charity, and as part of that, we gave each of them a piece, uh, a, a, a good amount of money. And we were honest with them about what to, to research and find a charity that they wanted to give it to that they would get involved with. So each of them picked um, different things. So we make the charity thing. Um, the spending is, uh, they don't they don't spend a lot. Like I, this is a lot of thing where it's personalized. And again, we're struggling with the third one because he loves to spend. He's, he's my first one. My, you know, the cookie test, like the, <laughs> that they give where uh, yeah. when you wait, yeah, you yeah, wait, yeah. right. She would wait four years for three cookies and, and he would wow. eat both cookies in five seconds. So same. Um, I, again, this is where it has to be different. Like I don't, she will, she is just inclined to save and not spend and he will spend anything that he has in five minutes. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we've had to work with some rules for him because they're just different. Just tell her if she becomes a social entrepreneur, so she can take $2 yeah. and give her friend nine and she gives one to the charity and she keeps one for herself. That will work with her. Uh, she, there's a very high <laughs> chance she will become a social entrepreneur. She is very into yeah, social justice. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How do your kids perceive that whole Black Lives Matter and and I mean that's on top of Corona, yeah, yeah, in the states especially at the moment. How how is because they would be in that age, right? They're very much yeah active um, and think a lot about that. And I I pick up from you that that they do think around these things a lot. How do they respond to that situation at the moment? Yeah, so it's interesting. And their friends. We 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 have a, a friend who's a teacher. And one's a doctor mm-hmm. and a teacher. And they started this Monday learning series when this started on Zoom, where they'll teach something that's related to current events and all the families jump on. And and so the one that we did that Monday on the race stuff was really interesting. They played a video of, of a bunch of uh, kids uh, in the US. Um, and they were all, they were black kids, probably from like eight to 12, talking about what their parents, what they had seen, what their parents had told them, how they had told them to behave uh, you know, across the street. And and you could see that we talked about it and the kids were really impacted. And I think you could almost see the dividing line of age of where like the youngest kids were still pretty colorblind and, and just couldn't even understand how or why like this stuff would happen because they're, they're just, they don't even see the world. And then the older ones, you know, it started to see this stuff, but we actually had some really, good discussions across uh, families. And I think they're very aware of um, policy and politics. They probably understand the parties and the different sides and the different viewpoints because of the divisiveness right now and because of the like, you know, as a parent trying to explain some of the ugliness that our president says and the things that he says, it just, it 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 provokes a lot of discussion. So I, I actually think their constructs on these things are much First of all, they have. I think kids these days have a much more stronger sense of social justice um, as it moves through generations, and their understanding of the different things on this were much stronger than my wife and I were at that age. Mm-hmm. Ed, that's a powerful topic. I have two black children. The, the two daughters that we adopted are black, and I don't really know how to deal with explaining to them that that color of your skin can have such a big impact. I mean, in South Africa, it's a bit easier. Yeah. I mean, we, as you know, in Cape Town, so there are many black people here. And so they don't stand out so much. But, you know, when we're in Munich, sure, there are people in Germany. So in, there are people who are darker skinned, but not so many. Yeah. You know, they'll stand out, really stand out. And that's a whole different dynamic. So that it would be very interesting. They're now five. And as you say, the kids don't, they don't make a difference. You know, I, I read a book to them and then there's some a bunch of white kids in the in the kids books, and they go, "Oh, that's Maya, that's Lena, this is Max," and they all well, doesn't matter well, also, which color, you know. Yeah, I mean, also right now with um, LBTQ plus and everything, I there's some two more letters there. I, LBT, I, I, I can't remember them. LBT, yeah, yeah, BQ, but, T, yeah, MY, yeah. So everything. Yeah, okay. sorry, <laughs> but but I I, I think this is just. It's just so much more normal to them in terms of there's 
there's, you know, kids who are much earlyly and openly, you know, expressing different sexual preferences, different genders. I, I, it is, you know, just the, it's so, it's different. I mean, than a generation ago, two generations ago of sort of what's normal and what's not normal. I think the, yeah. the, the, the normal these days is all sorts of different people and representations and otherwise. And I, I just think they're, they're just used to that. So it's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't really raise an eyebrow at all. Yeah. And some of it is, is to my, and I'm not old, I'm 41. Yeah. I, I, I read these terms. The L, L, G is a good one. Um, Ah, no problem for me, no problem, but I'm not even on top of it. Like, yeah. I mean, there are, uh, if you go on Instagram, there's a filter for um, gay pride and, and some other prides that after, I, don't, I can't even explain the um, yeah. the sexual preference in that. Or I think, I mean, that's how you identify as a gender. Uh, I don't even, couldn't even explain that. Yeah. That's a t amazing because it's super inclusive. But that's something where our kids will teach us. Um, yeah, I think lesson, kids are I teaching think. a lot of their parents right now. Yeah. I just heard about a discussion last night around, yeah, just between the kid and that someone who, uh, a couple that was sort of coming out, and, and and the kid was like, "Yeah, why? Why do you care? Like, what's what? It just, yeah. it just totally, what's it yeah. To what's it? <laughs> what's the, why does that even surprise yeah. you? It doesn't doesn't matter. It just yeah. kind of is what it is. But do they mean? I mean. I can't, I only have a theoretical um, opinion on that because my kids are not in that age. Yeah. Like I don't speak to 12 or 16 year olds about this. But like, do they actually mean it or do they actually just not, like, do they mean that they are, do they actually understand that they're very understanding and um, being, acting um, in an inclusive kind of manner or do they just not care? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I th like, they're almost like cousins those are two of each different things. other I, I, in that uh, I, I think there's an inclusive aspect, but like, you know, when you think about middle school and all the different stuff that goes on or otherwise, just an, I, mm. it, it's just it's just another thing. I, I, I mean, I, certainly there are people that are less inclusive than, than others. I mean, you still have the... Mm the clicks and the this and the, you know, the in and the out. But, but, but I, I think on general, I think they're just much more tolerant and they've grown up in a world that's much more diverse and, and it's just more of the, of the norm. So some, to some extent, all teenagers or whatever, there's stuff they just don't care about. But I, I just think it's not, I don't know how to say like, it's not news <laughs> to them. Right. I, that's, that's almost how I would, how I would say it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has changed. I mean, look at how being successful in school in the past, you were a nerd. Yeah. Now it's very desirable for kids to be successful and it's it's fine in the group. You know, you're not being bullied for being successful anymore. You know, you're not the nerd, you're very smart. Yeah, and I mean, also, you know, for a while it was, oh, go to school, get good grades, follow the program. Now, I mean, now there's a lot of people questioning that conventional wisdom with all the debt we have here in college and unemployment like is that really the best thing for me to to do is to spend all these years taking achievement tests going to a school borrowing two hundred thousand dollars not knowing what i want to be uh, I, I think there's just a lot of these norms are being reassessed but that culture is is very problematic in any case i mean Especially your country, <laughs> You're yeah. printing money like there's no tomorrow. You children, the, 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 it will affect us too. The achievement You'll culture. Eat, live in a cage, yeah. Cave and 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 pick grass to eat <laughs> in the, in fifty years. Who's going to pay for all? The, the, you know that's crazy. The achievement culture yeah. problem is really important in our country because the cost of education is so much higher than everywhere else, right? Yeah. So it's it's being funded by mortgaging your future, which is. People just don't mm -hmm. have to make these trade-offs in like the UK. Like you just go to college and it's 5,000 pounds a year. Like it's not, it's not a big deal. You know, here, if it's $80,000 a year, like that has some real implications if you're not ability to pay for that. Yeah, that's a lot of money compounded over five, eight, six years. Crazy, then, yeah. Yeah, in Germany it's for free. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you pay tax, but the tax is then, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's a couple of hundred euros, I think, for like books or whatever, or yeah. programs, but the, so in principle, crazy. universities yeah. Yeah. for free at a very high kind of quality, yeah? Yeah. Robert, what else is there? We still have time, five minutes or so, but um, I kind of want you to share if there's stuff to share. If there's no stuff to share, we'll wrap it up. 
<laughs> I don't care, but you know, I we don't. We, I always say no need to make things longer if they don't need to be. Yeah, yeah. I think what was powerful, you know, that nugget of of giving yourself permission to um to not having to do um maybe what also outside expectations are. Yeah. But at the same time, not having to do what you're not good at and what you know that you're not good at. It just says. Um, accepting weaknesses and doubling down on strength. Yeah, that's a big takeaway for me. That's that's very very uh, powerful. I, I, I if I look across my personal core values, I am in the best service of being a father when I'm able to lean into those core values with each of my kids. Yeah, Robert. With that, <laughs> thank you very very much. This was fun. Thanks, Philip. And some real nuggets there. And I hope uh, after Corona, maybe I'll meet you somewhere at some EO event or something and I'll be keen to Absolutely. connect and have a beer. It may be a while, but I'd love to. Super. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you liked this session. If you did, please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.